0: You're listening to the Fearless Hustle Collective, a podcast for creative female entrepreneurs and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. I'm your host and business mindset coach, Anna Delevy, and we'll explore topics on self-doubt, following your intuition, and why self-limiting beliefs might be holding you back. Hello and welcome back to episode 67. Today's guest is Fiona Thomas, also known as Fiona Likes to Blog. Fiona is the author of two books and her latest book called Out of Office is out now as a digital version and the paperback will be available from the 1st of October in the UK. So I chatted to Fiona about her journey with mental health, how that affected her work and how she chose to follow the freelance route and really shape her work around her mental health. So we talked about Fiona's thoughts on having a blog, her journey to actually having her first book published and the challenges that come with being self-employed. So without further ado, here's Fiona. Hi Fiona, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So
1: why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what it is that you do? So I am Well, my name is Thomas. I'm a freelance writer and author and I've written two books, one is a mental health health memoir and the other is coming out this year. It's about freelancing. Um I've been published in lots of cool places like Grazia, Reader's Digest, Metro and I also offer content support for small businesses. So I find it really hard to describe what I do in a short, in a short sentence, but that kind of sums up. Does it feel quite exciting to say?
0: Well, I've been published in these places. I'm an author of two books. Does that feel? Does that still feel kind of
1: surreal to you? Yeah, I like make a make a point of saying it a lot because I feel like you need to say it to accept that it's real Um, because when you work from home like you don't really have that conversation very often it's just written in like my bio and on press releases and stuff Um, so yeah I feel like it's like every time I say it out loud it's like a triumph.
0: (laughs) Yeah well I'm only saying it because to like the outsider that sounds so exciting Um, so I think yeah but obviously that's kind of what you do now so I suppose Perhaps it's not quite as yeah, groundbreaking.
1: <laughs> I mean, it still it still feels like I say to my husband all the time, like I can't believe so how much has happened in the last like five or six years. I can't believe I'm sitting here talking about a second book. Like I just can't believe that this is my life. Yeah. Um, but then but then you just settle into it, don't you? But every now and again I do get like a, a moment of like like total like gratitude and disbelief.
0: Yeah but and also knowing that actually you created that reality for yourself.
1: I did yeah that's mad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's rewind to, to those few years ago you know before perhaps all of this was a reality for you. When did you first start your blog and how did that really come about?
1: So I started my blog in 2012 basically I had a mental breakdown when I was in my previous job. I used to work in hospitality and I was a manager and I had a mental breakdown, got diagnosed with depression and anxiety and I was off work for the best part of a year and then I never went back to the job that I was in originally. Um, So while I was off trying to recover and just like take care of myself, I kind of felt, I was like grieving for my job because I felt like I wasn't anything without this job and that was what I'd worked so hard for and it was really like intertwined with my sense of self-worth and my identity so basically just wanted something to fill the time and something to kind of to kind of rebuild that identity I guess and I started a blog um, and I started writing about health and fitness because I was really into and still am into fitness um, but back then that's what I started writing about and then after a few years of doing that I just I just kind of got disheartened with it all and felt like this is just really boring I don't have anything interesting to say about health and fitness there's only so many times I can post a recipe or like you know blog about what my workout was this week and I just felt this urge to kind of write about topics that were more close to my heart I guess like meaningful topics. I felt like I didn't think I wanted to start a mental health blog. I just felt like I was starting to come to terms with my mental illness and I was start I'd had like a lot of like realizations and a lot of like deep (laughs) and meaningful revelations, I guess, over that time. And I just felt the urge to write about topics that were more important to me. And that basically turned into a mental health blog where I spoke about body image and alcohol abuse and the quest for perfectionism and burnout and all these kind of things and I just really kind of built I guess my brand as a mental health blogger
0: yeah and did you notice that that really did that kind of really start to resonate with your audience and did that increase the kind of engagement of your audience
1: yeah I didn't like back then I wasn't really thinking as a blogger like how do I make it as a blogger I was just writing for myself and always oh, is think like, it's funny when when people say I just want to help one person if I can write this blog post and just reach one person that never even crossed my mind it was purely selfish <laughs> I was just like I just want to write for me I don't really care if anyone reads it And didn't want anyone to read it really in the beginning and I didn't tell my friends and family about it really so a lot of the comments and the messages that I got were from complete strangers like all over the world and not just little comments it was like big emails from people like filling mm-hmm. their guts to me um and saying but in a good way saying that they they felt that they felt understood by somebody else explaining their situation so that yeah. was like a real like a real eye-opener for me to be like oh this this feels good this feels great to just be honest about how I feel and have someone else feel the same like that just felt really powerful.
0: Yeah I I guess the reason I asked was because I get a sense that I think when we start to open up and talk about those topics that actually really really matter to us like in your um, case obviously it was centered around mental health we kind of often get a response of people really actually then beginning to engage with that content and not to say that like you said obviously that it was ever intended for that purpose but people seem to kind of start to respond to that
1: yeah and I think that's that was the kind of spark I suppose that has continued with me all these years is that whatever I do I've got to be myself that's because it's one, the easiest way to exist, <laughs> just be yourself, mm. you don't have to, you don't have to keep up appearances and pretend to be someone you're not, but be, yeah, it means everything that you do feels good and yeah, hopefully it resonates with other people, so I try to be, try to be honest and sometimes that's not necessarily about, you know, telling all my darkest, deepest secrets, it's just about being relatable and being honest about how I'm feeling and what I'm up to and that not everything is perfect as it looks on Instagram yeah and you talked about how you felt
0: that your identity and your sense of self-worth was actually it kind of intertwined with the job that you had previously uh, before the breakdown how what, what was the transition from being employed into that
1: self employment after uh, you kind of recovered. So what I did was, um, yeah, I was off work for about a year, and then I had to go back to work to do something. So I went into waitressing and did part time waitressing for from two thousand and thirteen until two thousand and sixteen, and then I moved down to Birmingham. So I'd been in Glasgow um, until that point town to Birmingham in 2016 and then I didn't go self-employed until the very beginning of 2018 so yeah I was in part-time work and um, waitressing but I knew that I knew I couldn't go back to a management role because I couldn't I'm just not well it's not that I can't handle the stress because being self-employed is stressful but I didn't care enough about the cause to manage the stress if that makes mm-hmm, sense mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't want to work in hospitalities, didn't like it, I didn't care about the work. I found customer interactions really stressful, I hated the fact that you had to pretend to, you had to be polite and chirpy and you had to be a certain way within a certain set of hours every day and that's just not the way my mood works unfortunately Um, so I knew that it wasn't sustainable to work in the hospitality industry. For much longer. I didn't, I dreamed that I would be able to be a freelance writer, but I honestly never thought it would, it would happen. I thought that I would maybe make some money from blogging and that would be enough to kind of supplement me working part time in a cafe. But because I kind of carved out this niche for myself as a mental health blogger, around about that same time, a lot of places were starting to realise a lot of publications were starting to realize that mental health content was really popular and that's when I managed to get my first byline in the metro and it was really cool because it was actually somebody from the metro tweeted that they were looking for mental health writers i didn't see it somebody else tagged me and recommended me which felt really really good and i was like oh and that's when i thought oh maybe maybe i could write for publications up until then i'd thought i'm just a blogger i'm not a you know inverted as a proper writer I didn't really believe that I could be a writer until somebody else put me forward for it and I, once I got my first piece published I thought well that's me published now I'm a writer and I started pitching to lots of other places and it was a very gradual overlap of working part-time as a waitress part-time as a writer like juggling the two and then after a year or so it got to the point where I had to asked for less days um in the shop that I was working in I had to go down to three days and they wouldn't they wouldn't let me they said that's I'd gone down to two days and they said they can't do you three days I had so much writing work that I was just getting completely burnt out I was working in the evenings working in the weekends and I thought well I'm not willing to give up the writing work so I'm just going to have to give up the waitress and work and just see what happens Mm. um so it was very much a kind of journey of like juggling both to the point like to the breaking point kind of thing and yeah then I went self-employed in 2018 January 2018 and I'll just never I've just never looked back like I can't I I like to say I wish I'd done it sooner but I I wouldn't have been in a position to do it but I just never thought I would have been capable to do it but I absolutely love it
0: And I suppose that is very different to kind of being in an employed position in terms of managing your mental health and actually being able to then, you know, structure your days around, you know, things like fitness. Obviously, that's something that's important to you and and making sure that that's kind of incorporated into your routine, I guess. What are the kind of challenges that that might come up for you as a self-employed person?
1: Yeah so I was really looking forward to it like I said, because I didn't like working with the public um, and having those rigid like you have to show up in a set amount of set hours every day and you have to you know be switched on within that certain amount of time. I was really looking forward to working from home because I thought I can work if I'm not feeling good one day I could just work in the evening or um if I'm feeling really sad I can just like kind of work in bed and feel sorry for myself and I can still you know it's a difference between managing to write an article when you feel sad as opposed to put on a put on a really brave face and serve people when you're sad and I, I still do do that like if I'm not feeling great I can still work and whereas that didn't feel possible in my previous role so the flexibility part is is great but just saying like oh I'll take a mental health day isn't that simple (laughs) because if you unless you've got kind of passive income or you've got savings or you're really kind of planning far ahead generally as a freelancer if you're not working that day then you're not making money or you're not you're not working your pipeline towards getting more money so I think guilt is a big thing for me guilt and like the just self-imposed pressure of working really hard working every day working a full day as well like um, I had to kind of remind myself that once I've done the stuff on my to-do list if I do that by like two o'clock it's okay to then just do whatever you want the rest of the day like that's the perk of being self-employed but I think so many of us don't actually take advantage of the perks mm. we just we've got them but we just naturally push them away and think that we've got to work even harder, which we do have to work hard. Um, but I would say like try and take those perks when you can. So I definitely try and have like the odd afternoon nap. Um and yeah, I exercise during my working day. I don't do that out with my working hours if that makes sense. I don't tend to work out at the weekend. Yeah, there's in in my next book there's like a a section called the Be your own boss, full of self-loathing, because there's so many murky emotions. I think that freelancers have to deal with. But I think it's okay to dip your toe in the pool because it can be helpful to experience those emotions and figure out why they're there. So comparison is a great one, you know. Like I'm sure, like you've spoken about this as well. Like comparison can be really detrimental, but it's also there to kind of flag up. A deeper a deeper kind of emotion that you're going through or probably trying to highlight the fact that maybe you could be doing something different or you've mm-hmm. got some you've got some kind of subconscious goals or hopes or dreams that you're not really acknowledging just yet so I think all those hard emotions are are worthwhile and worthwhile experiencing so I try not to push them away too much
0: Yeah I think that just shows there's always kind of two sides to every coin and taking comparison as an example I think like you say obviously it can have a really detrimental effect on you know how we feel but actually it can also very much illuminate what it is that perhaps we need to work on or like you say maybe there's some things that we would personally would like to do and we see others doing it and that makes us feel kind of whether that's jealousy or you know just kind of feeling like they're doing so much better than you um so that definitely kind of illuminates certain things that we could be paying attention to definitely yeah agree (laughs) so going back to the blogging days and obviously you you still very much uh, use that platform so it's not just freelance writing a lot of people say that you know blogging is dead and uh obviously we spend so much time on social media we listen to podcasts now how what's your kind of what are your thoughts on that and how do you approach it from you know a perspective of a writer I suppose and also someone who perhaps used that platform of a blog to then actually use as a springboard into writing uh, for publications
1: yeah I think it's- I think that blogging is dead like it's funny because what like what does that mean does it mean that it's dead as an art form or it's dead as like a popular culture thing or is it dead as something you can monetize because yeah it can be so many things I think maybe what people mean is that the like the blogging like bloggers as kind of popular figures like Mm. I think that's that's definitely been reinvented with Instagram and oh my god TikTok I don't know how we started on TikTok <laughs> I'm so far too old for TikTok <laughs> yeah the yeah I think making your name as a blogger and making your entire income from a blog like I think yeah that's not what it used to be like I think that definitely had its heyday but the there's so many other benefits to having a blog um, and and finding your writing styles such, that's a great benefit of having a blog. We all kind of have been trained now to write in captions and write very succinctly and write in short form, but having that freedom to write long form is so helpful for your creativity, but also for you to just get your message across if you're a business owner. Having that platform to write, whether it's a personal story or your expert insight into something, it's so helpful to give your audience that free resource basically um and obviously not to mention all the kind of seo benefits of how they can find you and it's like people forget when they when they google things like when they google like how to change a light bulb or whatever (laughs) it'll probably be a blog post that comes up like Mm -hmm. everybody's googling stuff all the time and it's it's blog posts and yeah articles from websites but a lot of the time if bloggers are doing the research they can rank really highly for for random stuff so i i think blogging actually probably now like an underutilized tool mm. and i think the way i kind of explain it when i'm working with brands or, or small businesses is your instagram can look great and your website can look great but what's actually going to keep what's going to keep a reader on your website is me as a blog because you can have everything that you sell in there and you can have your about me page but your blog is a place where you like really get to demonstrate your knowledge and let people emotionally connect with whatever it What's is that? you do yeah mm-hmm. so whether it's your I think blogs are a great place to express your brand values and in, in a In a way that's not about selling. So if you want to talk about, for example, how you feel about the Black Lives Matter movement, or you want to talk about mental health, but maybe you're like an underwear brand, like all these things still matter and your audience will connect more with you if you express a bit of personality and what you what you care about as a business owner. And I think a blog is a really good place to do that. Yeah, particularly particularly
0: for small businesses. Some of the bigger brands, I think, perhaps particularly if it's product based, I would possibly say that you know you just go there to kind of shop. But for smaller brands, it really does, like you say, it creates that emotional connection. And I think actually, when I look at the you know brands or the small business owners that I follow, a lot of the time I will really connect with them through their blog posts and and that kind of long form writing that you know it
1: really allows me to get to know them so much better yeah and it's all about storytelling we love we love a brand that's got a story or a person that's got a story to tell and I, I don't know about you but there's loads of small businesses that I know that I'll buy whatever they are selling even if I don't need it because I just <laughs> I just love what they stand for mm-hmm. as a brand like I love their story I've followed them watched them grow and yeah whatever they buy it might not be something that I think I need but I'll I'll buy it or invest in them or like promote them on like on my feed because I I know their story and that really sticks with people
0: yeah you absolutely buy into that story and that brings me on to my next question really is obviously you've launched your course very recently um, and that was all about finding your voice as a brand how can we use that storytelling aspect as business owners and why, why is that story actually really important?
1: It was like I was saying, it's, it is that opportunity to just share what it is that you stand for. I think too many people think that when they write for their business, they've got to kind of play it safe. And they've got to appeal to as many people as possible because mm. that will get them as many sales as possible. Um, but actually, when when you post that kind of bland, vanilla content, you kind of push away everyone because it doesn't really resonate with anyone. Um, whereas if you... It, and it's not about posting controversial content. It's just about writing in a way that actually expresses what you stand for, what you like, what you don't like, so that the people who agree with you will, you know, resolutely stand by your side and they'll be like, oh my God, this person or this brand gets me. And the people who don't, doesn't resonate with them, you're not the brand for them. So it's really about getting those core people to, you know, those mega fans to kind of be on your side from the word go and slowly build up those that collection of fans because I would rather have a hundred people who really intently agree with me on a lot of points and agree with what I stand for than a thousand people who who could take or take me or leave me
0: yeah does that makes absolutely. sense absolutely yeah it, it really does and I think it is just about kind of standing out from the crowd as well because you, you like you say it's not just you're not just repeating what everyone else is saying but you're actually speaking from your own set of values and and your your own personal story
1: yeah I think like to answer your question of like how small businesses can do that I would say yeah start a blog think of I think a great place to start is why you actually started your business so for me it was all born out of my mental health struggles and not me not being able to fit into the kind of corporate nine-to-five mold because of my mental health and me taking control of my career and Mm -hmm. choosing choosing a way that now works for me, finding flexibility and I really want to help people feel better about their mental health, get the help that they need but also want them to feel that they can be in control of their job and a small bit starting a business or going freelance is a great way to do that but then also help freelancers along the journey as well about managing their mental health so that like you can see from my blog and my content that mental health runs through everything that I do even though I'm not necessarily offering support but I know that that resonates with people because so many people are at some well so many people in my audience are at one stage in that journey so they might be stuck in a job that they hate Um, and they might struggle with mental illness and feel like they've got to settle for that job but I really want to send a message out to people that they can go for something different, they can start out on their own if they want to and they can improve their mental health. So it's not directly related to what I'm selling necessarily but it really resonates with people so I think starting with your personal journey and really trying to be honest and open about your reasoning for why you're doing what you're doing? I think that's really that's a great place to start. Yeah,
0: I agree. And going back to launching, and obviously this was your first launch, I think, uh, for the course. How? What was your kind of experience of that? I guess, and and what are the
1: lessons that you've taken out of it as well? So I started trying to think about this course. I guess I thought about doing a course a while ago and then never ever got around to it because I thought oh, it's so much work and I have to create all this content and figure out a platform to host it and blah blah it's felt far too overwhelming and then I did Joe Hooper's four weeks of space who you had on as a guest a few weeks ago and she basically guided me through the whole process. She was like an angel, and I angel. And she said, "Why, why do, you, why do you think you've got to do it that way? Why can't you do it your way?" And I was like, "Oh, hmm, well, that's kind of smart." <laughs> and I had thought about well, one of the courses I wanted to, I still want to do, is helping people to um, pitch to pitch their stories to magazines. But Joe had challenged me to think about a limiting belief of mine which is that I can't make money through the creative aspects of my job so that's why i settled on a creative writing course because that felt like a real revelation to me that I could teach creativity and really just revel in that world of creative writing and still make money from it mm. so that first of all was like a huge revelation because I didn't ever think about teaching writing because I guess there was that part of me that thought I wasn't qualified to do it And yeah, I just didn't really think too much about launch. I just tried to get on with it and not get bogged down in like doing everything right. So I just picked a few core areas that I wanted to focus on and tried to make sure that I did all those things as best as I could. So I focus on Instagram captions and making the sales page as good as it could be. And because the course is all about creative writing, I basically just wanted to make sure that all my written content was really really good so that mm. that was an advert for what people could get from the course so I spent a, quite a few days well I spent about a week writing the sales page and then spent like three days I think writing all the Instagram captions for two weeks so it was only 10 captions but I wanted to make sure they were all dynamite. I'm glad I had the Instagram stuff scheduled ahead of time because that was great on the because it um, yeah, ran for two weeks the launch so it meant every day I just had to post it and then respond to people and then talk in my stories about the course but I got some really good feedback from people saying that they really liked the way I was launching which I thought was really interesting yeah um, yeah I think
0: I absolutely agree in terms of Batching or preparing as much as you can before a launch is is such a you know lifesaver actually because you don't until you are in launch mode you don't realize how tiring and exhausting it can actually sometimes be. So you have to continuously kind of be showing up online. But what I noticed about your launch launch is that it, it was very still very you. There was nothing that kind of stood out to me as maybe super salesy or anything like that. So it was very much again in keeping with that brand uh, that you've created.
1: Yeah. I just tried to because I think when we're selling, we all automatically go into that that tone of voice and that mm-hmm. rehearsed thing that we've heard other people say. Like we've watched the like on like the shopping channels and we automatically go into <laughs> that speak. So I had to really check myself. on stories especially and just remind myself no this is you're not going to talk like that say what you're going to say as though this was a normal day and a normal story because people don't want to see you acting like yourself and just talk truthfully about what you're trying to say at which I was saying to my friend Michelle is like ironically like Trying to be your authentic self felt much harder <laughs> than like just falling into that falling into that kind of salesy pattern. So yeah, it took a lot of energy to kind of to think about that and to remind myself to be myself. But I think it definitely paid off, and I learned. I did learn loads, and I was quite glad sort of, that I had the Instagram post pre-written, and then in stories, I just kind of that was more flexible. So, on the days where I felt rubbish, I just said, oh, I'm feeling a bit rubbish today, but here's what I'm going to tell you. So, I, I was quite glad that I gave myself that flexibility within stories to still show up as I am, come as you are, kind of a yeah, um, yeah. And that seemed to go down quite well.
0: I think we could all do with a little reminder, kind of a sticker somewhere when we're launching, um, like you say, to kind of keep to that more authentic tone of voice. And I think. As you said, obviously, that potentially means that we are overthinking it. As as you're trying to kind of promote something, you start to kind of overthink everything, don't you?
1: I had watched a few people selling as well at the same time. So I was then being quite, I was trying to think about how I felt about their sales technique and trying to not be, not that it was wrong, but in a you know when you can tell someone's about to sell so then you just skip past all their stories yeah so I just tried to not do that (laughs) I think
0: that's a really good lesson making sure that it sits right with you first I think that's that's a huge lesson Mm. so tell us a little bit about the process of getting your first book published because we kind of talked about the beginning obviously that's kind of a big deal
1: yeah it's funny like some, so somebody messaged me saying like oh then your next course can be about how to get your book published and I was like I don't like I don't have a clue how this happened <laughs> like and I don't think I could give anyone well I can give some advice but there's no I think most authors would say there's no like foolproof route because some people get an agent first some people go directly to the publisher some people have a full manuscript some people don't um, there's just so many kind of ways that you can get published. So I can tell you my story, which was that in 2016, I applied for a job with Trigger Publishing. I applied to be an editor with absolutely no right to be an editor. <laughs> like my grammar is so bad. Um, but I applied. I went for the interview introduced myself um, and didn't get the job which is totally fine but I kept following them on Twitter and just kept up to date with what they were doing and for anyone who doesn't know Trigger Publishing are, a, are like a mental health and wellbeing publisher and a year or so later they put up on their Twitter that they were accepting submissions for books and I thought oh that's cool and just kind of sparked a little idea of like mm, maybe I could write a book And I'd previously, like a couple of months before, been on holiday and I'd read Control-Alt-Delete by Emma Gannon and I'd read Mad Girl by Bryony Gordon. And the two books, they're both memoirs and they both really spoke to me and made me feel that I had a a story to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, Mad Girl is a mental health memoir, Control-Alt-Delete is about the internet. And I felt like If there was a Venn diagram of those two books like my book kind of would be in the middle so that was the kind of idea that I had so I went along to this um, Trigger Publishing had an open day where you could go along and meet the team and they would give you advice on how to submit your book proposal so I was like this is great like I've never I I don't know if other publishers do that um, but I thought that's cool like it's a good opportunity to go along and see How it works, kind of thing. So, and it was on a Saturday night. Like, I just like to point out that I gave up a Saturday night to go and do that. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a Saturday night in December. So, I went along and listened to what they had to say, introduced myself again to the team, which was great because I already knew some of them from Mm. the interview and I knew what I wanted my book to be about, so I actually had an elevator pitch which was great. So I said, Oh, I want to write a book about my mental health journey and how social media has played like a really positive role in my recovery. And they said, Oh, that sounds really interesting and asked me to write a proposal. So I wrote a proposal and submitted it that month. They wanted it in before Christmas. And then in January, they said, we really like your proposal. Can you write some sample chapters? So then I wrote some sample chapters. And then in February, they offered me a contract. Wow. So, so yeah, from December to February was, was the process So I think, pretty quick. And, yeah, I spent all that year writing it, and it came out in the November. Wow. So, so that's yeah,
0: that's actually a pretty quick turnaround from you know attending an event and then not really being sure what the book was going to be about and then quite quickly you know submitting a proposal and then just writing it
1: yeah Um, and I I always like to tell the the first part of me going for an interview because you just never know who who you're talking to and how they might like come back into your life Mm -hmm. I think when they advertised that first job it was and their office is like two and a half hours away from where I stay. But I emailed them and said, "Would you do you offer remote working? And they said no. And then they emailed me back again and said, actually, just come in for an interview and then we'll take it from there. So I think it's a lesson in just like asking for stuff um, and starting a conversation with people. If you like, because most people would have thought, well, I can't get there. I, I won't apply. Yeah. I just was like, well, I'll just chance my arm and just ask. And I think that definitely was like a great, <laughs> great decision on my part, mm-hmm. if I do say so. Um, so yeah, you just never know who you're talking to, um, and yeah. how it's gonna, how it's gonna help you in the future.
0: Yeah, amazing. So
1: before we move on, why don't you tell us a little bit about the book that is coming out very soon? So my next book is called Out of Office: Ditch the Nine to Five and Be Your Own Boss, and it's a, I hate saying a no nonsense guide. So what can I say? It's different than that. It's a, I guess it's an accessible book for people who want to go freelance or are already freelancing and I made a purposeful choice to include quite a lot of mindset and mental health discussions within the book because um, I think it's something that a lot of freelancers don't think about when they make the leap and then they kind of feel a bit confused when they have to start managing their own mental health and the business so there's a good mixture of practical stuff so like how to file your expenses how to send an invoice how to project your income and then there's also like towards the end of the book quite a lot about um, mindset and emotions so we talk about like toxic positivity and burnout um, and how to take holidays and how to switch off and all that kind of thing because I think that stuff gets kind of glossed over a lot in in freelance and books and a lot of writers maybe just put in like a token kind of gesture about mental health but I've tried to dig a bit deeper into that topic.
0: Yeah I think it's an important one because actually I certainly have experienced that you do become quite potentially quite isolated working for yourself all of a sudden you're you know, surrounded by other people um, and that can have a massive effect on your mental health.
1: Yeah and I've written quite a, a big section about isolation and loneliness for freelancers and try to explain the, the physiological need to be around other people it's not just that you like to chat to people it's really really important for your mental health and your physical health you know people who are more around more people tend to live longer so it's not it's not really just a it shouldn't just be an afterthought and I'm an introvert I love being alone but I know that I have to prioritize and I have to actively put those social engagements into my calendar Um, otherwise I would just never see anyone other than my husband and the Tesco delivery driver yeah yeah and so when's the book coming out? So the ebook is coming out on June the seventeenth.
0: That's
1: very is soon. Very soon. Yeah, it's all been kind of switched around because of COVID. So it was supposed to the book and the ebook were supposed to come out in summer and um, because of manufacturing and stuff. It's all been kind of um, rearranged. So the ebook is out on June seventeenth and the print edition is out on October first. How exciting. I'll be looking forward to
0: having a read to finish up if there was one tip that you could
1: give your younger self what would it be I would say always try and keep creativity in your life because the when I had my mental breakdown it came in a period where all I was doing was working and I didn't make any time for creative expression and that's the only kind of chunk in my life where I've not done that and it had it had a huge impact so I would say yeah prioritize creativity.
0: Mm, I love that I really resonate with that because I've kind of talked about this on the podcast before but I never really considered myself as creative and I think that almost kind of because I had that belief about myself it it shut me off from exploring various kind of creative activities Uh, and actually I found more and more so now that actually having that time to switch off from work and actually go into, the, you know, just kind of enjoying a process of creating something or that kind of thing is, is really, it's, is, well, imperative actually.
1: Yeah, and I think like creativity isn't just painting pictures. And, absolutely. Like, I think that's what people think of, like, like you having your allotment, that's, that's creativity because you're making something that wasn't there before. Yeah, absolutely. And even, uh, you know,
0: I would stretch as far as saying going out for a walk in nature and just actually absorbing what's happening around you and and really you know taking notice of things Mm. I that feeds your creativity and I think you know like you say it it doesn't have to be a very kind of it's certainly not painting and, and
1: yeah like like you say having I think as business owners as well we think we've got to have every section of the day kind of filled up with work but I've made a conscious decision this year to leave quite a lot of blank space in my diary because that's where you have your time to um percolate all your ideas so don't be afraid to have a time where you just do nothing where it's like looking out the window or lying on the couch and just have that time to think because we're constantly like I do it all the time like whenever I've got downtime I'll put on a podcast or I'll put on a documentary or I'll listen to something and it's like no just sit and be in your own thoughts yeah I think we're all guilty of that
0: and it's something that I have found I've started reading the artist's way recently and I've been journaling for quite some time but actually um, committing to doing it on a daily basis is a kind of a different kind of beast I guess but it's it certainly again it's it's allowed me to kind of Really, kind of tune into perhaps the things that are more important, um, and I think that kind of headspace again is is really really helpful with
1: that. Mm. So I started the Artist Way um, a few months ago, and I tried to do morning pages, and I could I couldn't do it, can keep up with it every day. Have you Have you done it every day? No, no, I haven't. Uh, there've been days
0: where I haven't or there've been days where I've kind of written some things in the afternoon but I have to say on the days where I have committed and I have done it I've had kind of little I don't know just little pieces of inspiration or little kind of um, ideas that I want to take forward or even little phrases that I want to use whether that's in an Instagram post or something perhaps bigger that I'm writing so that's been interesting to notice that's good
1: because I am not a morning person, so I was finding mine were just like, I'm at my most grumpiest uh-huh. when I've just woken up. So mine, were just, mine was just me saying like, I'm so tired. I've never felt this tired. I don't even think I'll do my exercise today. I feel absolutely exhausted. Oh, like it was just a stream of complaints. There was no artistic gems in there whatsoever.
0: Yeah but I think actually by doing that you're clearing that out of your mind and I think so that's kind of where later on perhaps you might find that uh, and and certainly it doesn't work for everyone but you might find that actually later on your mind is a little bit clearer of that holding on to those little thoughts that we have on a daily basis.
1: That's a good point actually I should try it again I think I'll work better with journal prompts like that really yeah. helps me when I've got like yeah. a clear like a good question to answer.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I think also just giving yourself the freedom of actually, you know, doing it somewhere later on in the day doesn't necessarily, I don't believe that it has to be done in the morning for it to be mm. effective. So,
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people find you? So you can find me at fionnalikestoblog.com. I'm on Instagram at Blog. I've also got a podcast called Out of Office, which is themed around the book. Um, and you can get my first book depression in the digital age on amazon and all the other good bookshops and out of office is up there too amazing thank you so much for your time no
0: props, thanks thank you so much for tuning in as always i'd be so so grateful if you could leave a review on itunes so that other female creatives can find this podcast too